Welcome to Bitcoin Sermons, the podcast that preaches how Bitcoin is connected to the coming of Jesus. It's a fascinating topic, and I think it's like the elephant in the room that not many are really talking about, even though it's so obvious. Well, whether you're a Bitcoiner or a Christian or both, this podcast has something for you. This last week was an exciting week, and in particular, the subject that we talked about last week was really the opening of a new wave of understanding that I would like to delve a little deeper into in this episode. In particular, I want to take a look at how the voice of God is described in the book of Revelation and in the book of Ezekiel and other places. And I want to show how that is connected with Bitcoin. And this week, while I was working on things, I was looking at the 21 Days of Bitcoin course that is published by Bitcoin Magazine. You can find that at bitcoinmagazine.com slash learn. And I was noticing how they give a chunk of recognition to the block size wars. And I remember some time ago when I first came across this course, I remember kind of being a little bit unimpressed with the inclusion of that topic. I thought, eh, what's so important about how the community fought at that particular time? But as I was reviewing the course this week, I realized that this is actually a very significant topic, the block size wars, in relation to the Bible. And so I'd like to kind of unpack that a little bit for you and show how the whole history of Bitcoin and even how it is portrayed in this rather well-known course of 21 days, how that kind of parallels the story of the great controversy in the spiritual realm. And so I'd like to get into that a little bit as well. So with that, let's get right into it. I don't really have much in the way of preparation, so we're just going to let the Spirit lead and see where these topics go. All right, so first off, let's turn to the book of Revelation, where it speaks about the voice of God like many waters. And this is right here in the introduction of the book of Revelation in chapter 1, and it comes in verse 15. And this is describing the appearance of Jesus Christ to the Apostle John in vision. So, actually, let's go back to verse 10, where it says, John is speaking here, and he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Now, just to unpack that a little bit, when it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, many assume that John was referring to the particular day of the week on which he had this vision. However, it actually has a more significant meaning, a greater meaning, when you take into consideration the entire context and theme of the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is about the coming of Jesus Christ. It's about the end of the world. It's about judgment day. And when it speaks about the Lord's day, another way to say that without the apostrophe S as a possessive form is instead of saying on the Lord's day, you could say on the day of the Lord. And that kind of immediately brings a different connotation to mind because we're used to hearing the Lord's Day as a reference to the Sabbath or to Sunday. But when you hear the day of the Lord, it brings to mind a different day. It brings to mind judgment day. And that's actually an expression that's used in many places in the Old Testament. The day of the Lord, the great and terrible day of the Lord the awesome day of the Lord. And this is what 
the whole book of Revelation is about. And so when John is introducing the vision and he says, I was in the Spirit on the day of the Lord, what he means is that he was in vision and he saw Judgment Day. He saw the day of the Lord. And this is what he describes throughout the book. And right here in verse 10, he already refers to a great voice, a loud voice, in other words, and he describes it as a trumpet. But later on, and continuing with verse 11, this voice said, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in a book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now, I will just note here that the Alpha and Omega, as Jesus identifies himself, and the messages to the seven churches introduced here are very much the topic of articles that I've been referring to in recent episodes. And so I would encourage you to find more information about those topics in such articles. But I'm not going to go into what's covered there as much as I'm going to look at how Bitcoin is related to this and as the subject of this podcast, how it is connected to the coming of Jesus. And so uh, verse 12 then, John says, And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. So he heard the voice, and now he wants to see who is this that's speaking. We know it is the Lord from the context and the red letters in the Bible, but for John, he simply heard a voice He wanted to turn and see who this was that was speaking to him. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. So here now he sees Jesus standing among the seven candlesticks. And remember, this is a vision. It's symbolic. And everything that we see here, or that John saw here, has a biblical significance. And he describes Jesus as being one like unto the Son of Man. So, human in form and appearing like Jesus. Verse 14, his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Now, that's significant. What does white hair symbolize? Well, the most obvious thing might be age. In Daniel, it refers to the ancient of days, but it's not strictly about age. It's also about wisdom. Those who have white hair are recognized as being wise, partly because of their age, because they've seen a lot, they've experienced a lot, and that has conferred in some way wisdom to them. But yet there's another meaning to the white hair that's white like wool. Surely you've seen pictures of the judges and of the politicians from way back from hundreds of years ago when they used to wear these wigs with white hair. And this was a symbolism for judgment. It was judges or lawmakers who wore these wigs. And so what we see here with Jesus being depicted with white hair, it symbolizes his role as judge. When Jesus returns on the day of the Lord, he returns as judge. He returns to bring justice, to bring the reward for the righteous and for the wicked, to mete out the due recompense for their works. And so now where Bitcoin comes into this verse is, on the one hand, because Bitcoin brings justice through the financial system or to the financial system. And we've spoken a lot about that in other episodes. And I think everyone who understands Bitcoin understands that, that Bitcoin, because of its integrity, because of the principles of how it works, is a just system. It is fair. It is equitable. It is impartial. It does not favor those who are 
of any particular class. And as it spreads, it serves as the financial standard to which all other financial instruments are compared to. And in this way, and for this reason, it is seen as a threat to the incumbent leaders of the financial world because they are accustomed to having a certain degree of control over the monetary policy, over the money supply and things like that. And Bitcoin comes and brings a hard standard to that, kind of like returning to the gold standard, only even better, even harder, even more just. And so this concept of Jesus being depicted as a judge with white hair and at the same time, we see Bitcoin coming on the scene as a system, a monetary system of justice that is unyielding. This is what it's about. And continuing in this very same verse, in the same breath as the description of his white hair, comes something that I find utterly fascinating. Let me just read the entire verse again. Verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. Okay, I, I, I still didn't finish the verse, but let's just talk about white as snow. What is white as snow? Now, if, any, if you've ever been in a snowy place, especially on a sunny day, then you know that there's something called snow blindness. And this is because the snow is so white. It's, and when the sun shines on it, it reflects the light of the sun with such brightness that it actually can be blinding. And this is the whiteness, the purity, the cleanliness, the impeccable purity with which Jesus Christ is described on the day of judgment. In particular, his hair, his wisdom, his judgments, his decisions. These are described by the white hair that is white as snow. That means his thoughts, his judgments, the decisions he makes as judge are of the utmost purity and the utmost righteousness, justice. But now, now we come to the part that fascinates me, that is connected to Bitcoin. And so let's just go back again through this whole verse, because I want you to see how it comes in the same breath. His head and his hairs were white like wool and white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire. Have you ever seen anyone with eyes like a flame of fire. And before you're tempted to say no, you might think again, and you might say, oh, coming to think of it, yes, I have seen people with eyes like a flame of fire. Now, what is a flame of fire? What does it look like? Fire glows, it, it shines, it's bright, and it's generally reddish or yellowish or orange, depending on the intensity of the heat. And in the context of Bitcoin, these are the laser eyes that you can see on people's profiles everywhere. These are the eyes like a flame of fire. If you were to see eyes like a flame of fire, that's what you would see. You would see Bitcoiners with the laser eyes. Those are eyes like a flame of fire. Now, this vision is describing Jesus. So how is it that we see Bitcoiners matching this description? And this is where it gets really, really fascinating. And that's the fact that Bitcoin is the system of justice. It is the foundation, the financial foundation of the kingdom of God that is in harmony with Jesus Christ and in harmony with his law and his judgments that are symbolized here by his white hair. And so Bitcoiners, by having that law, 
in themselves, that financial law in themselves, they reflect the image of Jesus Christ, even to the point that their eyes are as a flame of fire. Wow, that is amazing. Now, let's just dig into this a little bit. First of all, is it wrong to attribute the physical characteristics of Jesus Christ to individuals in the world? And I think every Christian can say, no, that is not wrong. In fact, it is our purpose to reflect Jesus Christ. It is our stated intention that when others see us, they see not us, but Jesus Christ. And this is not meant particularly in physical form. We cannot change what we look like physically, but it's meant in the form of character, what we are like, what we think, how we do things. This is, that, that's what character is. And for us to reflect the character of Christ means that we keep his law, means that we do things in a just and honest way and in, in keeping with all the ideals of his kingdom, ultimately having a character like him. And so when Bitcoiners espouse the principles of Bitcoin, which are the principles of justice, the principles of the kingdom of Jesus Christ, then they are reflecting his character in that sense. Now, that doesn't mean Bitcoiners are automatically good people. That doesn't mean that they reflect Jesus Christ in other ways, in every facet of life. But it does show that this particular characteristic of financial justice is a characteristic in which they reflect Jesus Christ, and you can even see it in their eyes. Now, this is particularly interesting in light of what Jesus said on, I think it was on the Sermon on the Mount, or very near there. Let's just go back to that. I think we touched on this in a previous episode, but let's go back to this particular verse. This is chapter 6, and it was just after the Lord's Prayer, and uh, you can look at my episode on that for um, for a, a really fascinating study. But after the Lord's Prayer, he's talking about financial things. That's the whole context here. And he's speaking about laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So it's talking about the heavenly financial system, which I propose in this podcast is Bitcoin. And in verse 20 and 21, it says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. Bitcoin is incorruptible, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Bitcoin can't be stolen if you protect it the way it's intended to be protected. And verse 21, For where your treasure is, so if your treasure is in the heavenly financial system, there will your heart be also. Then your heart will also be with God. Verse 22. Now, on the same topic, Jesus says, the light of the body is the eye. Now, remember the laser eyes. The light of the body is the eye. In other words, when you look at the whole body, the part where you see the light is in the eye. And that's why anytime you're talking to somebody or interacting with somebody, you're looking at their eyes because that's where you most clearly see so to speak, into the person. Jesus says, If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? And this is all in the financial context. And so that's like saying the lightest part of the body is the eyes. And so if you see laser eyes, then you know that that person's full of light, full of justice, full of righteousness. It permeates their life. It's not just in the eyes. It doesn't just mean they hold Bitcoin. It means that in every aspect of their life, they are permeated by this light of Bitcoin. And that's because as you use the money of Bitcoin, 
Everything you do with it is an act of justice. It's an act of goodness. It's an act of bringing the principles of God's kingdom to the world around you in as much as you use Bitcoin as your monetary system. And then by contrast, Jesus describes that, wow, and if that's the brightest part of the body is the eye. If you look at somebody's eyes and you don't see the light, then that means they're still in the fiat mindset. That means they still don't believe in the financial system of the kingdom of God. That means that their whole body is full of darkness. And if the brightest part of the body, the eyes, have no light, then wow, is that body dark. And that describes the works of the fiat financial system. If you are transacting in the fiat system, if you are buying and selling and participating in the economy through the fiat system, then you are participating in the works of darkness. These, it is the fiat system that enables crime, that enables people to take advantage, that enables the policymakers and the government leaders to take advantage of the population and to take advantage of the poorer populations, to, of, the, of the average common person. And to the degree that the common people or anyone participates in that system, they enable it and therefore contribute to those works of darkness. That is what Jesus is saying here in the financial context. And this is very much a spiritual matter because everything we do in life has a spiritual influence. Even when we talk about money and buying and selling, it may seem harmless. It may seem unrelated to spiritual things. But in reality, it's like the water that flows through all of the affairs of life. And therefore, if the finances are pure and holy and good and just and blameless, then all of the affairs of life will be given a better quality. Whereas if the water is poisoned and toxic and promoting decay, then all of the issues of life that flow through this current of the financial system will be tainted and poisoned and ultimately bring death. So, wow, it's really an apt illustration. And that seems to be very much what Jesus was showing to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, in that his eyes were as a flame of fire. And so let's go back there now. And coming back to verse, or rather continuing with verse 15, the description continues. It says, And his feet were like unto fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. Now, if you think about brass, brass is kind of like a golden color. It's maybe not quite as yellowish as gold. And it is a plentiful but yet valuable metal for its physical properties. And it was kind of a tertiary form of money in ancient times after gold and silver. And it describes his feet being like fine brass, pure brass, in other words, as if they burned in a furnace. So the furnace for purifying the metals. So again, it's referring to the purity of the financial system. So Jesus is described by John from head to toe in financial terms. And then it gets to the real point that I wanted to come to in this message, which is in the second part of verse 15. And his voice was as the sound of many waters. And this is where the financial system meets the voice of God like many waters. So let's just put this together. Jesus is described as appearing as a just judge with white hair, like Bitcoin, as a just financial system, with laser eyes, eyes as a flame of fire, like Bitcoiners, whose life is permeated by this just 
financial system, having feet like pure brass burned in a furnace, and having a voice like the sound of many waters. Now, before we unpack this verse with the brass burned in a furnace and his voice as the sound of many waters, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a survey as to some of the other occurrences of this description of Jesus and of his voice and of the voice of God. So, for example, I have references in my Bible that take us to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 43 and verse 2. Let's take a look at that. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel came from the way of the east, and his voice was like a noise of many waters, and the earth shined with his glory. So again, we have light and sound. We have a loud noise. If you've ever heard many waters, if you've ever been near a waterfall, then you know what the voice of many waters sounds like. It is pure noise. It's like white noise, okay? But it is loud and it is just constant with full volume. I mean, I'll play a little clip for you. That is the sound of many waters. And uh, let me just go now to another reference. This one is in the book of Daniel. And this is Daniel chapter 10 and verse... Well, let's just start with verse 5. This is very similar to how it was described in the book of Revelation. Remember, the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation go together. And they should be studied together. And so here we are in Daniel chapter 10, starting with verse 5. And we're going to read almost the same thing we read in Revelation, but with a slightly different twist. Then I lifted up mine eyes and looked. Just like, remember how John turned around and looked to see Jesus. Here, Daniel lifts up his eyes and looks. And behold, a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. His body also was like the burial in his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, laser eyes, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. So again, brass we see there. And the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. So here we have another aspect. It doesn't specifically mention waters in connection with this voice, but it mentions a multitude. And that's because in the Bible, waters represent people. You can find that defined in the book of Revelation. And you can also find that described in the Psalms and in many other places in the Bible where it describes many people as floods of water. And so bringing this all together, what we see described in the symbolism of the voice of God, like many, like the sound of many waters, is that it is like the sound of many people, like the sound of a multitude. Okay? So, this is extremely fascinating when you connect it with the topic of last week's episode where we talked about Bitcoin mining coming to Paraguay. Why to Paraguay? Because of the clean energy that's produced by the hydroelectric power plant on the Iguazu River where the great waterfall is. And so there you have this imagery, this imagery of many waters, this imagery of this noise, this sound of the waterfall. But it's not just a symbol of water. It's a symbol of people, as we read here in the book of Daniel. It's the symbol not just of people, but of a multitude of people. And that is how the voice of God 
is described. Now you think of God as one person, right? There is one God. But here it describes the voice of that one God as the voice of many people, the voice of a multitude, the voice of many waters. And isn't that exactly what we saw with the laser eyes? It is many people who are reflecting the light of God's kingdom in their eyes. It is not just one man, Jesus Christ. It is many people. And this is not just limited to laser eyes. This is intrinsic to the principle of how Bitcoin operates. It is a distributed system. It, is, it consists not of a server somewhere located in the Federal Reserve Bank or, you know, something of that nature. No, Bitcoin is a distributed system where many people run Bitcoin nodes and all together they form a consensus as to the state of financial truth for the entire world. And so that is intrinsic to the way that Bitcoin operates. It's the voice of many, and yet it is the voice of God. It is the voice of truth. It is the financial standard for the entire world. Now, in the context of mining, however, we have these two aspects combined. You have many miners, first of all, many people mining, and then you have the noise. Miners, Bitcoin miners, are known for the amount of noise they produce because of the fans, okay? And when you have many miners all co-located in a single facility, all those fans running to constantly take away the heat from the mining rigs and bring in a fresh flow of cool air, all of those fans constantly blowing air are producing a lot of noise. And that noise is uh, sort of like a white noise. You know, it's like the sound of a fan. Let me, let me play some sounds of miners for you just for a moment. Notice that the sound of Bitcoin mining is a lot like the sound of a waterfall. It's more or less white noise, but it's very loud because of many small individual noises all kind of adding up together into one huge sound of white noise. Just like the waterfall, which produces sound from a little bit of water here, a little bit of water here, a little bit of water here, all these little bits of water all sort of combined together Every little bit of water produces some sound. Every little splash, every little droplet, every little spray from the waterfall. On its own, a little bit of water makes only a little bit of sound. But all together, this massive amount of water all sort of flowing and splashing around kind of all at once in near vicinity makes this huge noise of many waters. And so that is so wonderfully described here in the Bible. But I think it deserves to be emphasized that it is not just the sound of many waters, but it is also the sound of a multitude of people, which is what the waters represent. And that only comes into complete fulfillment when you recognize that Bitcoin mining is relocating to the place of many waters here in Paraguay to be driven by the hydroelectric power of the Itaipu power plant that is driven by the Iguazu waterfall. Wow, that is amazing because that shows that Judgment Day, the day of the Lord, is connected to the relocation of Bitcoin mining, the multitude of people, the relocation of those multitudes of miners to Paraguay. Wow. And now I just want to talk a little bit about this brass. Why brass? And why is it burned in a furnace or purified in a furnace? And here in Daniel, it even refers to his face as the appearance of lightning 
Well, you know that to use Bitcoin in a sort of face-to-face -face manner in sort of day-to-day -day transactions, you really need a second layer system. And the primary system that's been emerging for that is the Lightning Network. And so to do Bitcoin transactions face-to-face, -face, not to wait 10 minutes per block, you need the Lightning Network. So it's only logical that in the symbolism given here in the book of Daniel, that his face, or in other words, the face-to-face -face interaction with Bitcoin is like lightning, okay? So everything in the symbolism can be connected to Bitcoin, and the brass is no exception. The brass refined in the fire refers to the construction of blocks, the mining that's taking place, which is producing something that's kind of like gold. Brass is like gold. It has a similar appearance. It's also shiny, not quite as shiny. It's also yellow, but not quite as yellow. It's a little bit darker. And Bitcoin, I don't know for what reason, but it has become known by the color orange, which is kind of like gold. It's a yellowish color, but it's darker. And the way that Bitcoin is produced, the way that it's mined, in contrast to the way gold is mined, is that it is mined with computers, with specialized computers called ASICs. And these ASICs, as we mentioned, they generate a lot of heat because of all the computations that they're doing. And therefore, this brass is this new kind of gold, called Bitcoin, is produced in a furnace. It's produced with a lot of calculations that produce an incredible amount of heat. And if you would measure the temperature of the processors themselves inside these miners, like any computer processor that's doing continuous computation, the temperatures are extremely hot. And therefore, it is so critical to have the fans in place and to be able to remove that heat. So in all the symbolism, both in Daniel and in Revelation, in this description of the appearance of Jesus Christ on Judgment Day, what we see is the symbolism of Bitcoin mining in Paraguay at the waterfall, at the source of many waters. That is where the voice of God comes from, or we could say the voice of Bitcoin. Wow, wow, wow. Now, you know, I get really, really excited about this because of the fact that these things were prophesied in the Bible as far back as when Bitcoin started in 2010. And to see that, you know, without even knowing that Bitcoin existed, to see that these prophecies were understood correctly as pointing to Paraguay as the location of the voice of God, and to see that coming to full fulfillment, even literally with people, miners, coming to Paraguay, where the voice of God was prophesied to originate. This is just amazing. And it is inevitable. You might think, well, you know, how many miners are really in Paraguay? How many miners are really going to move to Paraguay? And I would just say it's inevitable that the mining of the entire world is going to concentrate here. Why? Because of the natural resources, because of the waterfall, because of the abundant and inexpensive electricity that is available on account of the natural features that God has endowed this land with. This is the work of God. And no man can change that. Miners will always be seeking profit. They will always be seeking the optimal circumstances for their mining operations in order to stay profitable. And that will inevitably draw all the miners to Paraguay over time. And that is being accelerated by the fact that next year, the halving in the spring of 2024, will push mining over the brink of profitability. Up to this point, the halving schedule has decreased the number of Bitcoins that are being rewarded to miners 
but has still, for the most part, been allowing the mining operations to be quite profitable. But beginning next year, the next halving will cross that threshold. It will make mining unprofitable. And many mining operations are going to go out of business or they're going to find alternatives such as mining in Paraguay in order to stay profitable under those circumstances. So this is really an exciting time and it's the end of profitable Bitcoin mining as we know it. Spring of 2024 is the end as we know it. And yeah, this is Judgment Day. And how that exactly plays out is what the book of Revelation is all about. Now, the other topic that I wanted to talk to you about is ironically right here in Daniel chapter 10, where we just were reading. It says here at the beginning of the chapter, it says, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. So Daniel received a vision and he understood it, but there was a problem. It says, in those days, verse 2, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. How long is three full weeks? It's 21 days, naturally. And 21 days is a special number of days. Ever since I came to Bitcoin, at least, the introductory Bitcoin course that teaches the basic foundations is a 21-day course. It's three full weeks. And you can sign up for that course at bitcoinmagazine.com. And I've been working this week on translating that course, and therefore it's been on my mind. And I've chosen to break up the course into three parts, three weeks. And in so doing, I recognize that, wow, the 21 days of Bitcoin, as it is customarily referred to, is actually three full weeks. Could this have something to do with the three full weeks? mentioned here in the book of Daniel. It says that during this time, Daniel ate, he says in verse 3, I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine into my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So in other words, he fasted for three weeks. And it says, and in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hittical, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked. And that's where we read just a minute ago about the appearance of one like Jesus Christ, similarly to how he was described in the book of Revelation. So this is very, very much connected. And we see that the 21 days here in the book of Daniel are very much connected to the judgment, to the day of the Lord, as described in the book of Revelation. And after these 21 days, basically an angel came to Daniel, strengthened him, and came to make him understand what would happen. Let me just read that in verse 14. Now I am come, so this is after the 21 days, now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. So when you study Bitcoin for 21 days, when you take the course, does it give you understanding? Does it strengthen you? Does it teach you what shall befall thy people in the latter days? Is it connected to the day of judgment? Is it connected to the day of the Lord? Is it connected, as we've seen, to the book of Revelation? I would say yes to all of these things. Now, one of the things that I noticed while I was dividing the course into three-week segments is I noticed the day numbers, first of all, and it gave me a certain idea. And I'm just going to pull up that course right now on Bitcoin Magazine, and I'm going to kind of talk you through this. First of all, when you break it into three-week segments, you find that the first week runs from 
day one to day seven, obviously. The second week runs from day eight to day 14. And the third week runs from day 15 to day 21. Now, what caught my attention was in particular this third week, which corresponds to days 15 to 21. And being that I am accustomed to looking at the Hebrew calendar, the biblical calendar, and when the feast days are held according to God's calendar, I immediately recognize that the 15th day and the 21st day are special days, normally in the seventh month. And the seventh month is really a special month. First of all, it corresponds more or less to the time of autumn in the Northern Hemisphere. And the calendar of God is based on the phases of the moon. So each month begins with a new moon, but not with the astronomical new moon. It begins with the new moon when it is first sighted, when the first visible crescent appears. Then in the evening, when that is sighted, then that evening and the following day becomes the first day of the month. So that's day one. And in the seventh month in particular, that first day, day one of the seventh month, is a special feast day called the Feast of Trumpets. And the trumpet was blown in particular on that day. And that has a significance because trumpets refer to the day of judgment. And if you remember in the book of Revelation, we started out reading today that John first heard the voice speaking to him like the voice of a trumpet. Let me just read that once more. Revelation 1 verse 10, I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And so judgment day is connected to the sound of a trumpet. And in the seventh month, the month begins on day one with the sound of a trumpet. And I would say that if Bitcoin as financial justice is bringing judgment to the world, then the sound of the trumpet, which was blown in particular on the first day of the seventh month, is very fitting to begin one's study of Bitcoin, beginning with lesson one of the 21-day course, which has the title Magic Internet Money. This magic money of Bitcoin, better yet would be to call it spiritual internet money or divine internet money, or the money of judgment, okay? Magic. Now, interestingly, the Day of Trumpets stood for, it was a joyful day, first of all, but it also was a day of warning for the judgment that was coming, the judgment of the Day of Atonement on the 10th day of the seventh month. And the Day of Atonement is nothing other than judgment day, in God's calendar. And so when we speak about the day of the Lord in the book of Revelation, which is what the whole book is about, the whole book, the whole judgment day theme of the end of the world is symbolized in the day of atonement, which is what all of the feasts of the seventh month revolve around, beginning with the Feast of Trumpets. The next feast not counting the Day of Atonement itself, is the Feast of Tabernacles, which begins on the 15th day of the month. And that corresponds, which is what I noticed when I was dividing the course into three weeks, that corresponds to the first day of the third week, so the 15th lesson. And then the week of the Feast of Tabernacles concludes on the 21st day of the month, which would correspond to the last day of the course. And then there is also the day of Shemini Azaret on the 22nd day of the month, which is the eighth day of the feast, which is then after the 21 days of the course, if we make that comparison. And so I think this is highly, highly fascinating because the time of the Feast of Tabernacles was a time for teaching. It was a time for education for Israel. And it was a time speaking about the judgment, the judgment of God. 
And so it's very, very fitting to the theme of Bitcoin, to the studying of Bitcoin. And I would propose that we make it a tradition in Bitcoin to teach this course every year in the seventh month, just like how they did in the times of the Bible. And so today, when we teach the 21 days of Bitcoin, we are, in a sense, teaching the principles of the judgment of God right here and now in fulfillment of the feasts of the seventh month and in fulfillment of the judgment described in the book of Revelation. And interestingly, the very last lesson, lesson number 21, is titled Hyper-Bitcoinization, Life Under the Bitcoin Standard. And what it is, is kind of an outlook for what the future will look like under the Bitcoin standard. And this is comparable. It, it, it brings to mind sort of the heavenly possibilities. And it's sort of a picture of Eden, if you will, of Eden restored. And it describes what life will be like and how the world will improve and how the world will be transformed under the Bitcoin standard to something wonderful yet difficult to imagine. And this corresponds in the spiritual sense to our hope and expectation for the world to come, for heaven and for the restoration of Eden here on earth. And so the theme here of Judgment Day from beginning with this magic internet money all the way to hyper-Bitcoinization. The whole theme is a reflection of the spiritual journey of Judgment Day from the appearance of Jesus Christ until the earth is created new. I find that fascinating and just amazing how Bitcoin fits into all of this. And so with such thoughts in mind and recognizing how the 21 days of Bitcoin, especially divided into three weeks, align with the feasts of the seventh month, I couldn't help but notice how spiritual the course really is and how in a certain way it seems to have been inspired. And in that vein, I did want to touch on this one topic where, like I said, when I initially went through this course, I thought, is it really important? This is lesson nine, titled The Great Fork Wars of 2017. And when I first went through this lesson, I thought, okay, yeah, isn't it like airing the dirty laundry to kind of talk about all of the wars in the Bitcoin community? And... That was kind of my first reaction to it. And just to kind of give you some background, if you aren't familiar with it, it's about the difference between Bitcoin, which is known as BTC on the exchanges, versus Bitcoin Cash, which is known as BCH on the exchanges. And originally there was one code base and then there was a hard fork, as it's so-called, which came about because of changes to the code that were made uh, for Bitcoin Cash that enabled blocks in the blockchain to be any size. So this opened the possibility to having any number of transactions in a block. And the way that Bitcoin works is that blocks are mined on a regular schedule of about one block every 10 minutes. And this is controlled by the difficulty level, which is adjusted every two weeks, which makes it so that as the mining power increases or decreases, the difficulty of mining also increases or decreases in proportion. And the end result is that on average, blocks are mined at the same rate being once every 10 minutes on average. And so that's very important because it establishes the rhythm, the time aspect of the blockchain. And this is important to the way that Bitcoin operates. And I think maybe we'll get more into that in another episode. But I want to point out here that this imposes a constraint 
on the system. It imposes a constraint on the number of transactions that can be processed in a finite amount of time. And that is because a block can only hold a certain number of transactions. Each block is limited to between one and four megabytes. And if that block is filled up with transactions, then that's all the transactions that are going to get processed in those 10 minutes. So this was recognized as a scaling limitation. In other words, something that would prevent Bitcoin from being widely used because of this limitation in the number of transactions that can be processed per unit of time. Now, two possible solutions came to light here, and today those solutions are pretty clear. One is the Lightning Network, which is what Bitcoin uses today. And the Lightning Network allows many, many, many individual transactions to be processed uh, outside of the blockchain, but in a way that is connected to the blockchain and which preserves the characteristics of self-sovereignty and basically the trustless nature of the Bitcoin network. It's all integrated in this second layer solution known as the Lightning Network. And again, it's interesting that the Bible describes the countenance of this man that appeared to Daniel in chapter 10 as his countenance being like lightning. And also in the book of Revelation, there are many references to lightning going out from the throne of God. And so the Bible prophesied which of the systems would be the system of the judgment of the day of the Lord. And that's the system that includes lightning as part of its scaling solution. Now, on the other side were the Bitcoin Cash people who argued that all we need to do is remove this restriction on the size of blocks in order to allow any number of transactions to be included in a block. And in this way, blocks could be arbitrarily large to accommodate any number of transactions, and therefore you could have any number of transactions per unit of time on the Bitcoin Cash blockchain, and it would allow the system to scale in that way. The problem here with the Bitcoin Cash system is that it changes the fundamental law of time and of scarcity of that time and of the associated space on the Bitcoin blockchain. And so it really strikes at the root of what makes Bitcoin valuable, not only as a money, but also as a network. And this is comparable, this sort of debate between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin as we know it today. This debate is a reflection of how back in heaven, before the earth was created, there was a debate. There was a war. There was a block size war. No, it wasn't a block size war. It was a war over the nature of the government of God. And Lucifer, now known as Satan, Lucifer argued for bigger blocks, okay, for, for no restriction on the size of blocks. <laughs> no, what he argued for was he argued that the law of God was too restrictive, just like how big block folks argue that the block size restriction is too restrictive. You see, God's law involves restriction, but that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. And Lucifer proposed what he thought was a better solution. And he proposed that there would be no limits and that the limitations of the law of God should be lifted, just like how the big block folks argued that the block size should be lifted. But this has unintended consequences. And in the case of the proposal of Lucifer, you can see how his experiment with lifting the limits on God's law has ultimately played out over time. This world is a testament 
to Satan's proposal, and we can see how the world has degenerated over the years, steadily more and more, until the point that today everything is at risk of falling under central control of a single entity, namely Satan. You know, the CDBCs are coming, the lockdowns, the health controls, everything is careening toward this scenario where one central entity holds power over the whole world through the financial system. This is ultimately where the big block scenario leads. This is ultimately what happens when you lift the restrictions that the law of God imposes. Now let me explain how that happens, because those who argued in favor of big blocks didn't envision the fact that if you lift the restriction on the number of transactions per block, on the block size per unit of time, then what that does is it provides a relief valve for the justice that Bitcoin imposes. In other words, when you have a fixed limit on the number of transactions per unit time, that scarcity of transaction processing time enforces people to value the Bitcoin network and to pay transaction fees that are commensurate with that value. If that limit is lifted, then all of a sudden transactions become cheap and Basically, that means that the future of mining would be in peril because transaction fees are needed in order to replace the block subsidy that is currently providing revenue for the miners. And that's what the next Bitcoin halving really points to. Through the fact that the block subsidy is going to decrease below the threshold of profitability, it's going to point to the fact that transaction fees are needed for the operation of the Bitcoin mining industry. And those fees will be determined by the competition for the scarcity of the block space. And without that limit, there would be no competition. And therefore, the block fees would never rise. And therefore, the mining industry would go out of business completely. And that would leave Bitcoin mining in the hands of centralized entities. That is not how the Bible describes it. The Bible describes the voice of many waters, the voice like a multitude that is how the voice of God is described, not as a single entity, not as a single voice, but as a collective voice. That is fulfilled by Bitcoin, but only with the limitation of the block size. And so the fact that this history is included in the 21-day course is extremely important and extremely relevant in the spiritual sense because it shows that the law of God, although it seems restrictive, it is actually there for the benefit of the people of the kingdom of God. It is actually there for the value of the kingdom. And what we have seen in the history of fiat money is exactly what the result would be if that law were lifted. How lifting the limits, how allowing debt, how allowing inflation has enabled all kinds of evils, just as Satan's proposal to remove the restrictions of the law of God has resulted in the degradation of the world. So, Wow, I think that is an amazing lesson, and it shows how Bitcoin teaches the principles of God's kingdom and the principles of his law in a way that most people don't even realize. And as a Christian, I think that we should pay a little more attention to the feasts of the Lord, not in the sense of becoming feast keepers or, you know, religious fanatics or something like that. But in the sense of why not every seventh month, why not make a deliberate point to study 
the 21 days of Bitcoin that describe, that characterize the judgment of the book of Revelation from the trumpet in the beginning until the restoration to the hyper-Bitcoinization, to the restoration of the Garden of Eden, to heaven on earth. I think we should take the time every autumn, every seventh month, to really contemplate the spiritual things of the kingdom of God, which includes his monetary system here on earth, which that we know as Bitcoin. So, wow, what did you think of those topics today? Personally, I am amazed by these things, and I'm doing what I can in my area to further the things of God, and I hope that you are in your area too. And I just want to conclude this episode, as always, with an invitation for you to share this podcast and consider supporting it. All right, so have a blessed week, and remember that Judgment Day is good news for the children of the kingdom.